Welcome to the Fairway Performance Podcast. My aim for this podcast is to have conversations or to record solo episodes like the one I'm doing today to help you improve your golf, your fitness, and your health. And I'm your host, Sean Dykoff. And before I get stuck into the episode, I just want to quickly remind you that the Fairway Performance Training App is available for download for seven days for free. Now, you can jump onto fairwayperformance.com and find the link through there, or you can jump onto my Instagram, sean.dykoff, and you'll find the link in my bio there to jump on and download. And I've just made a couple of cool, uh, really cool little updates onto the app, which I wanted to share with you. And that is that I've restructured it slightly to make a little more sense for those uh, just getting started and for new clients based on feedback I've gotten. And the way that it's structured now is as soon as you log in and jump onto the app, the first thing that's going to show up is a mobility assessment. So at the top of the screen, it's going to show assess your mobility and it's going to take you through a few different movement screenings, which are from the TPI screening. It's then got underneath it uh, some mobility plans and descriptions of certain swing faults or swing characteristics, which you can, if you know that you've got a certain swing characteristic, you can look at that and you can find some mobility plans or there's the three plans on each one uh, on each uh, swing characteristic, which you can follow daily. And I'd recommend that you follow those uh, those, uh, mobility plans daily. They only take 10 to 15 minutes to do in order to get the best results, um, but that's going to help you with your swing faults and characteristics. And then the third thing down below it is where you do the strength and conditioning programs. And that's the, you know, the one-on-one, two-on-two-three-on-three, intermediate, advanced, all the others. Uh, and I'm just about to add a couple more programs onto there, which is going to be a winter program, an in-season program, off-season program, and a power and speed program. So if you want to jump on there, get yourself a seven-day free trial, check it out. Uh, if you think it's worth it, you can obviously stay. Um, if you think it's not, then you don't have to, and I'd love to hear feedback as to why it isn't and what would uh, help you uh, stay on board the Fairway Performance Training app. Now, the episode that we're going to get stuck into today is uh, just talking about some uh, things that you want to consider when structuring a golf fitness training program or, or structuring golf fitness, essentially. And the I've got three real points that I want to talk about here. And the first one is uh, intention. So one of the things that I often see with people uh, is they don't really have clear intentions when they go into training programs. And that comes down to... Uh, you know, not having someone lead a conversation with them and talk about what their goals, priorities, um, things that they actually want to achieve are, uh, so they can't really, you know, they don't really understand what they are. And if you don't have something to aim for, it's really important that we have these things and, and talk about these things because if we don't have that something to aim for, then we obviously don't know whether we're hitting the target, missing the target, uh, and also how to build a program around getting to that thing. So, if we're just doing, you know, movements willy-nilly, then we're obviously going to get, you know, willy-nilly results. And, and it's not really going to give us a, a tangible benefit or result uh, that we can say, yes, it worked or no, it didn't work. Go back to the drawing board, reassess and, and move forward from there. So um, some ways in which you can sort of set intentions or that will help you set an intention is to find out a few things and some, uh, how can I say it, the some ways in which I've uh, helped clients find uh, what that thing is that they want to work on is to one go through an assessment so that can be a movement screening a power screening a fitness screening uh, it can just be a sit down and talk about uh, specific goals that they have or things that they want to work towards 
um, and just going through like a bit of a consult plan, like, you know, what does success look like for you in, in three to six or six to 12 months time? Um, those types of questions uh, and why they're doing it and why is it important to them? Because uh, one of my favorite quotes is um, from the, a book called Man's Search for Meaning and it is, he who understands his why can endure anyhow. So if you understand where you're going or where you want to be or what you want to achieve, uh, people can obvious, uh, uh, not obviously, people can uh, handle arduous situations and can handle anything really in order to get there because they understand their, their main goal. Um, and this is some, the man's search for meaning is uh, a, a, by a guy named Viktor Frankl who was a survivor from an Auschwitz uh, camp. So very, very powerful book there and, and recommended reading for anyone out there. Um, the next thing we can use to set some intention is tra- in training is some goals. So that can be in the form of, uh, I've seen PGA Tour players, uh, namely John Rahm recently, uh, Justin Thomas in the past. Um, I think Jordan Spieth I've seen put some out there. Um, and then even Tiger has some within rounds. But um, these goals that they set can be um, performance-based. They can be... Uh, you know, things that are intrinsic, so they want to achieve something or they want to play the best that they can or they want to shoot the best score they can, whatever it might be. Um, But having these goals to aim for can then influence what we do within a training program because we know where our North Star is or or where we're trying to aim with that program. So if they're very performance-based, obviously we can improve the body and everything else. Um, If they're more mental, then we can obviously get a, you know, a mental coach involved or, um, do like harder workouts to build some resilience and um, you know put someone through like arduous things in the gym so that they uh, develop some more mental strength and they can you know overcome things within the gym and, and small bouts of uh, adversity within the gym during workouts so that it builds their mental strength um, so there's lots of different ways in which we can utilize that information in order to build a training program uh, the next one is performance metrics. So <clears throat> the the thing that we talk about with this is, um, you know, like distance or uh, in, in swing speed, we might talk about uh, amount of rotation uh, with the thoracic spine or the hips. Um, so using uh, data or metrics that we gathered from um, a biometric uh, analysis, or it might be from just running through a TPI screening and, and maybe having a video and being able to, to work out what sort of uh, rotation or in in the hips or in the thoracic that someone has and then building a program with which to make that better. Um, so there's lots of different things that we can get in performance metrics uh, and I like to call them performance metrics uh, as separate to what the goals or the targets or whatever I talked about just before were because performance metrics are, are more things that are within our control and that we have an influence over uh, because the goals uh, we might set them to achieve them and, and we can you know work a plan around trying to achieve those things, but they're a little bit out of our control because we can't control how well other people play or the conditions surrounding the rounds that we're playing or the tournaments or flights being laid or clubs being lost or whatever the things might be. Um, but essentially, I like to go with performance metrics as, as one of the, the key parts to setting intentions with a training program because someone has direct control over whether they improve those things by putting in the work and doing the sessions and adhering to the sessions uh, in order to improve on it. Uh, and then the last thing is to do like a, a an analysis with a, potentially a swing coach and a fitness coach together. And that would be um, to work out where someone is lacking the most. So they'll do like a whole battery of tests. And I see 
the way that this happens is when someone goes to work, uh, a professional golfer, for example, goes to work for uh, or work with someone like the TPI um, guys over there in uh, California. So they would go there, like John Rahm would go there and he'd work with Dave Phillips and Greg Rose and he would run through the whole battery of tests they have. So they'd do the screening, then they'd do the power assessment, the fitness assessment. Um, they'd do some uh, maybe medical assessments and maybe blood tests and other bits and pieces to figure out really where this person you know, is exactly uh, using as much data and as up-to-date data and uh, technology as available and really going into depth with it. So uh, this one's often a little out of reach and probably a little over the top, uh, in my opinion, for most average golfers. And, and we could get really good results by not going as deep into it as as that, but using little parts of that in order to help us with our game. So that would be, you know, doing the individual assessment. So someone doing a TPI screening with me, then building a program or someone doing a power assessment and then building a program or, f- or just going directly to a swing speed training program. So uh, firstly, the the first point of, of structuring a golf fitness program is knowing what our intentions are. Now, that's just a few ways to set it. You might have a different way to set it, um, but essentially we need to know what we are aiming for in order to build something that we can get to that point or, or to you know make the step, right steps to get to there. Um, the next thing is structuring the program. And with this, come needs to come an understanding of a whole host of different things. So one is like, I'll, I'll just run through a few of them and, and then I'll sort of go through uh, in depth on a, on a few of them. Um, one is we need to know what to do to the body in order to, so a stimulus on the body in order to get a certain adaptation to make changes. Um, we need to know what your schedule is. So how many times per week can you train? Uh, we need to know what your training history is. So how many sessions a week have you done in the past? What sort of training have you done in the past? Has it been, you know, following group fitness classes or has it been following just a bodybuilding program or flexibility or Pilates or yoga, whatever it might be? Um, we need to know what your recovery can look like. So how much time you can put into recovering between sessions or how many times per week you need to play a round of golf to make money for the family or um, play golf just to enjoy it out with your friends. So we need to know where that fits in. Um, we need to know uh, the intention of your training program is in order to you know do what. Um, we need to understand interference effects. Um, so this one I'll, I'll dive into shortly. Um, and then I think I already touched on it, but the stimulus in order to get the, the results that we're looking for. So what sort of training uh, and what sort of sets, reps, exercises are going to help you actually reach the goals that you want to um how you know how close should you get to failure how fast or slow should you do reps how many sets or reps should you do total what exercise should we be doing how many sets should we do across the week for different things what should training look like in season what should training look like out of season um so these all come into structure and getting an understanding of how that would look so the uh, a few of the main points so knowing what to do. So if we have a clear intention, then we know what to do. If we know that our intention is to put on muscle and get stronger, then we know that following a program which has a mixture of hypertrophy and of strength work is going to be the best fit for that person. We can then go into, you know, we then know straight away like what sets and reps someone is doing, how many sets they should be doing across the week, what sort of volume uh, they can do based on the amount that they're playing. 
Um, all of these things start to unravel once we have a little bit of information about where we want to actually go. If, for example, someone wanted to work on speed and power only and not to build muscle mass, then that training program would look vastly different from someone who is trying to add muscle mass and add strength. And that's not to say that some of the exercises might be similar. It's to say that the intention behind doing them and the sets and reps will be different. Um, the exercises may not change too much. They, they still might be doing squats and lunges and uh, rotation work and whatever else, but it could be for very high sets and low reps that they're moving fast or for very uh, low sets and low reps for strength work uh, so that they can lift really heavy weights. So that's just a, a quick little example of why knowing the intention is going to help us uh, know what we have to do. Uh, the next is our schedule. So uh, if we're doing a program in season versus off season, then we need to know whether we are you know, following something which we can do three times a week and then we need to play on the other four days per week. Uh, and then how that fits around, you know, do we do the sessions uh, before we play golf or after we play golf? Um, this is all going to be influenced by uh, what your intent is behind the rounds of golf as well. So do you, are you training and then going straight into a practice round? Because that wouldn't be too bad. Uh, are you Or are you playing uh, for money in the afternoon on a, you know, the PGA Tour or somewhere like that where you need to provide for your family and the results of that round actually matter. So we want to go into it less stressed from tra uh, from training, excuse me, and uh, obviously less stressed mentally loaded from having done, you know, other tasks during the day. So we have to concentrate on that and move straight into concentrating on, on playing golf later in the day. So that has a big uh, impact on where we go. The Having our intention uh, is going to help us form an understanding of whether we need to do um, fast or slow reps. So if we're doing a strength training program, there's going to be more benefit to us doing uh, potentially slower reps of higher weight and lower amount of sets, like maybe three to five sets or four to five sets, somewhere around there. Um, whereas if we're training for speed and power, it might look better for us to do uh, 10 sets of two reps really explosively. Uh, so similar amount of total volume, um, but the intent with which each repetition is performed uh, will be significantly different because the weights will vary and you know there's um, a, a different way in which we're going to do each of those exercises and perform it. Uh, what exercises we need to be doing. So uh, this one, I like to use the example in this one uh, when we're talking about um, we're talking about speed and power training because it's an often misunderstood or, or there's a, a misconception around this of if we're trying to put on speed and, and add club head speed to our swing or to add more force production to our body, uh, our body, body's ability to produce more force, then we don't want to be doing heavy stuff and moving slowly or heavy lifting heavy objects and moving slowly. And this this couldn't be further from the truth because what we know about lifting heavy weights with um, you know lower repetitions which are, which are closer to our max we're actually activating the fast switch fibers or the type 2 fibers within the body um, because of the load on the, the nervous system we have to fire everything because of the demands of the task everything has to fire together and what normally happens is 
if we're in that situation, the fast twitch fibers are going to fire. If we're in a situation where we're doing 30, 40, 50 reps, the slower twitch fibers are going to be firing because they have a much lower energy consumption and they can go for longer, whereas the fast switch fibers have a high energy consumption and they're going to be required to you know, utilize a lot of energy really quickly in order to lift a really heavy weight for you to stand up out of a back squat or a deadlift or something like that. So, uh, And then the other side of the equation to uh, building speed is the... Um, the lower repetitions, uh, higher sets, and faster movements, so lower weight essentially. So that's, uh, we talked about just before overload training, and then this is over speed training. So that's where we start to move into, you know, like jump squats and throwing medicine balls and bands, um, swinging golf clubs at over our golf uh, swing speed, so using a lighter golf club and, you know, swinging it up to like 105, 110% of what our actual swing speed will be on course. So uh, that's the like that that's the help that we get is to understand which route or which way we're going with our programming because we actually know what the intention is at the end of the day so we can put in the right sets reps and and um volume in order to get to there um and then also the volume across the week so if we know that someone is a beginner lifter looking to build muscle then we need to be doing 10 sets, 10, between 10 and 12 sets of ex, uh, of, uh, of a particular body part. So if we're training like the legs, for example, um, and we're doing a squat type movement, then we need to do t- at least 10 sets across the week in order to get a result of building muscle from doing that. And we need to be aiming in the 8 to 12 rep range or even slightly more, so 8 to 15 rep range of that exercise. So we might do um, you know, one day might be uh, squats, so it might be barbell back squats, and we're doing uh, four sets of uh, 10 reps. Then the next day, we're doing three sets of 10 reps of a kettlebell goblet squat. Uh, then the next day, or so the, the third day of training for that week, doesn't have to necessarily be the, the day after, it can be like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, but the third day, um, because we've already done four sets, then three sets, we need to do three sets at least. So we do either three or four sets of um, another leg exercise, which could be isolating each leg and doing a uh, rear foot elevated split squat or a lunge or something like this so that we're getting some bilateral work in the week. We're getting a heavy-ish load with a barbell back squat. Then we're getting loaded in a different way with a front squat, a kettlebell goblet squat. And then we're hitting unilateral work so that we're uh, keeping both sides equal in terms of strength and not just loading it up uh, with bilateral work in the other two movements. So um, that's just an example of how I would think about you know total volume across a week. So getting 10 sets. If that was a an intermediate or an advanced person, we'd be looking more towards like 15 or 20 sets. So our volume would increase through the week, obviously, as we uh, become more used to the training. So for someone who is an intermediate lifter, they might do five sets, five sets, five sets. Uh, and then for someone who is advanced, they may have to add a fourth day and do up to 20 sets. So they do, you know, five sets, five sets, five sets, five sets across the week. So they'd be training four times in the week. Um, or they might even just increase the volume and do like seven sets of squats one day and then six and six and then hit 19 sets across the week. Uh, and that's, you know, pretty damn close. And um, because they did a high volume uh, in the first session, they're probably going to be a little bit sore and they'll probably get the benefits from the, the muscle growth across the week. Now, <clears throat> hopefully that's just given you 
uh, it may have given you actually uh, a lot more questions than answers. Uh, and that's what I'm hoping uh, will sort of come from this is that I give you a lot of the things which you need to consider so that you have those questions for yourself and you can answer those questions for yourself because then once you have answers to those questions, we can then find the tangible and logical thing to follow and the thing which will get the result for what you're after. So um, we we know all the sports science these days. Like We know what sets and reps are going to get particular results for muscle growth and strength and power and speed. We know, um, you know how much volume we need to be doing if you're a certain type of lifter. If you are very fast twitch dominant, not very slow twitch, we know what we can be doing there. If you are looking for swing speed, we can do overspeed and overload training. Like There's so many different ways in which we can do this, but we just need to know where that north star is, where we're aiming in order for you to actually go forward and structure the program and get the results. Now, just very quickly, the way that I like to structure programs, and this might be something that you've been sort of listening out for the whole time, is for most of the clients that I work with, they do three training days per week. And to give you like a basic example of what a training program would look like for that person is my, so this is for someone who wants to build a little bit bit of mobility in, in the areas in which they didn't do so well in the TPI screening and they're limited in. Uh, they want to build strength and a little bit of muscle mass um, because we know that if we're constantly just trying to add a little bit of muscle mass by doing some hypertrophy training, then that's going to help us increase our strength over time and it's also going to help us with power and speed without actually having to work necessarily on strength or on power and speed because we know that more muscle mass is going to equal both of those or give us the potential at least to to get better with both of those. And then the last part of our sessions is working on core and speed and power together. So I like to do and group those two together uh, because they're a lot a lot of it is to do with rotation and if we're doing speed and power to make it a little more sports specific for golf, we would be doing speed and power work by doing, you know, some of the stuff earlier in the session like uh, heavier squats or deadlifts or whatever it might be and that's helping us with a bit of speed and power. And then when we do the the power stuff towards the end or even at the start of the workout when people are fresh is we want to be doing it where there's a little bit of coordination involved. So, you know, doing something like a rotational box jump or a box jump, uh, doing something like a banded um, hit out or something like this where we're actually having to like move multiple joints uh, and help or, or have the body help produce a lot of the force um, by rotating our hips and pelvis and, um, you know, getting like similar movement to the golf swing um, but not trying to mimic exactly the golf swing so just trying to build a more powerful body without doing exactly a golf swing but something very very similar uh, cool so yeah the way that would look across the week would be uh, as an example day it'd be mobility work at the start then we'd go into a little bit of speed and power work then we'd go for strength work hypertrophy and then core um, or sometimes i'll even go um mobility at the start, strength work, a little bit of speed and power work, and then hypertrophy and core work to finish. And the reason I put the speed and power work at the start or or towards the start of sessions is one, so that people can get a little bit warmed up, then go straight into doing something light and really fast straight away so that they uh, get the like max velocity out of those repetitions or uh, do it straight after strength work because we know uh, that it's a little bit of contrast training. So doing something really heavy and then going to something really light straight after, it often feels like they can move a lot faster and they have 
um, a lot more speed when they do it. So it feels really good, sort of like taking the ankle weights off if you've been running around with ankle weights on and then you take them off and you feel like you can just move it a million miles an hour. Uh, cool. And then the, the last part to all of this, to, to structuring a program, is uh, structuring it in a way which is going to help with adherence. So that can be structuring it in a way in which we uh, can adhere to it across the week or we can adhere to it across sessions because we all know what it's like when we have a, you know, potentially like a, a back and arms day, then a legs and like a squat and deadlift day and then a whatever day at the end of the week if we have three sessions. And there's always one day that we really hate. So if if you're programming for someone who uh, has done that and they hate doing it that way, uh, one of the ways in which I really enjoy uh, programming for people these days is a f- what's called a full body split. So essentially you'll do um, a squat, a deadlift, or a squatting, hinging, um, pushing, pulling, and you'll do all four of those in one day. And you can do, you know, multiple movements for each, or you can just do one for each and have like strength and hypertrophy for whatever uh, sort of makeup you want to do. Uh, and then obviously core and speed and, and mobility work at the start. Uh, but just so that when you're doing that, uh, you're just doing a little bit each day on stuff, but the volume across the week equals the amount that you need in order to gain muscle or to, to gain strength or maintain strength if it's during the season or whatever it might be, so that the person will adhere to it because they enjoy it and they think it's actually fun and, and they like it and they're not super sore after a session and always having to rest like two days or their golf suffers or whatever it might be. So um, structuring the program uh, is going to help with adherence because someone is going to either enjoy doing the sessions and enjoy showing up to do them. Uh, and that doesn't mean you have to program stuff that they always like um, because there is going to be things that people dislike uh, or don't enjoy as much as other things. We're all um, humans and we have things that we enjoy more than others. Um, but just talking to the client or understanding as a client, if there's things that you really have a lot of resistance to doing, um, talk to your coach about it or the person who programs for you and just say, hey, like, you know, this is one day that I really dislike. Is there another way in which we can sort of structure the program so that I don't have this one day that I sort of, you know, really don't want to show up to the gym and I can have it so that across the week I sort of just do a little bit of everything I dislike every day um, because that's much more bearable because it's outweighed by all the things that I really enjoy doing outside of that that one thing. It might be squats, for example, or, or could be doing arm work or something like that. So, um yeah, one one really important consideration is how do you structure training in order to get the best adherence to the program. So hopefully, uh, like listing out these three things and, and just giving you some things to think about, um, setting an intention, structuring and understanding a program like sets and reps and things like this, uh, and then structuring it around uh, adherence is the third point. Um, because adherence essentially is the number one predictor of whether someone's going to succeed in a program or not. If we if they're not adhering to it, they're obviously not going to succeed in it. So we need to build it in such a way that one, it can get results if it's followed and then how do we build it so that they will follow it. So hopefully that's answered a whole bunch of questions. If there's any questions that have come up from this or if you want to talk further about training programs and how I can potentially help you with those, um, please reach out. The best way to do that is Sean, S-H-A-U-N at fairwayperformance.com or you can hit me up on Instagram and my Username on there is at Sean, S-H-A-U-N dot D-I-A-C-H-K-O-F-F, Sean dot Uh Send me a message over there. I'll probably shoot back a voice note. 
um, as to how we can work together or what suggestions that I have to help you. Uh, and I'd love to help if I can. Uh, until next week, guys, I uh, hope, hope you play well and I'll talk to you next week.